Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode of Hey Amarillo is supported by the Discover Amarillo app. This free download is designed to be a resource for new Amarillo residents and anyone else who wants to keep up with local events, activities, shopping, businesses, and more. It even maintains a list of family-friendly restaurants with Kids Eat Free offers. You can find out more at discoveramarillotx.com or head to your app store of choice to download Discover Amarillo today. That's the Discover Amarillo app, now available for iPhone and Android. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I want to give a podcast shout out to Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries in Amarillo, which also happens to be a longtime sponsor of Hey Amarillo. You can read the free e-edition of Brick and Elm at brickandelm.com or pick up a copy at local newsstands today. Today's guest is Jay Barrett. Jay is a longtime educator and administrator with the Amarillo Independent School District, who serves today as the principal at the brand new Amtech Career Academy, which is just completing its first year of operation. Jay started his career as an English teacher and a tennis coach at Pampa High School before coming to Amarillo, and since then he's worked in administration at a variety of levels. He's been at Tascosa and Paladura High Schools, he's been at Forest Hill Elementary, at Travis Middle School, and at ACAL, the Amarillo Area Center for Advanced Learning. Well, Amtech is the culmination of that career, and I think it's one of the biggest and most important innovations in the local school system in decades. It's a big, big story. So we talk about all that stuff, his career, Amtech, how it started, everything. Here's Jay Barrett. Jay Barrett, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Jason, thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. I've I've listened to it throughout the years, and I never dreamed that I would actually get to be here in your studio. Well, you know, all you have to do is open a technologically advanced new high school, and you get to come right in, right? Oh, is that all it That's took? That's all it took. Okay, yeah, all right. what I was waiting for. <laughs> um, so I, I know we'll talk about Amtech. Yeah. Everybody likes to talk about Amtech these days, but I, I want to start like I do with all my guests and just ask you how you ended up here in the Panhandle in the first place. Awesome. Well, I uh, grew up in a small town. My father was a, a pastor, and we had a small place. They was preaching in uh, Bethel. Uh, Baptist Church in in Oklahoma, and we just um, he he had to make a different change because he started having a family and and just things didn't work out for him in that uh, arena and, of life, and so we moved to Texas, Oklahoma. Okay, went through the kindergarten in someone's house. It was awesome. Wow! So my educational experience, my educational journey started there. Was it uh, like technically homeschool, or was it like that was the public school? That was where you went. So all uh, of us who went on to the Oklahoma side of Texoma, Oklahoma. We all started out together in this woman's house. And it was really good because I think I've taken bits and pieces of that experience, even at age five, mm-hmm. and because it was all exploratory. There were no, I'm sure she had no lesson plans right. where there was like, okay, here's a beehive. Let's see how this works. You know, there weren't bees in it. Uh, but then uh, just different things like that. We got to do a lot of things with our hands. And I think that has kind of stuck with me all these years and it has helped do what I'm doing right now at Amtech. But um, after that, we uh, I went through the first four uh, grade levels in, in uh, Texoma and loved it. There was like 23 of us in class, and that was my world. 
that was my sphere mm-hmm. of influence was in that small town. And then we moved to Canyon. And I went through like a, a, an adjustment period because suddenly we go from one group of 23 to like four groups of 30 in each class at Rex Reeves and, you know, Oscar Hinger and all that. So anyway, it it was an adjustment period, but I graduated from Canyon High School, did, you know, played tennis in high school, Um, didn't know exactly what I wanted to do when I graduated because I loved English. I loved reading books. I loved the literature um, and I love writing. And so that was one thing I thought I wanted to do was become a novelist. Mm-hmm. I would be the great American author that everyone read. Well, John Grisham took that over during my period back then. And so I went to WT, and um, that was in 1981. Graduated high school, went to WT, and um, worked my way right through college. In the senior year of of um, high school, I got a job as a dispatcher at Randall County okay. at age 17 wow. without very, with very little training. Basically, it was like, here's the 10 code, good luck. And I said, 10-4. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's no training. That's the only one you knew. Right? That's the only one I knew. And then I compare that to what we do at Amtech. We're training our young people in law and public service to become dispatchers. They have to pass the T-Col test. Mm-hmm. They graduate. They have to be 18, and then they get to go to work. Life has changed a lot. But in college, I had a great experience. Uh, and first of all, the best experience was I made a C in freshman comp. Okay. And I, that, that humbled me a lot because I yeah. thought I was pretty good at writing. And, and I, I really found out I needed to listen to the professors more. And so that was a, a very good humbling experience. But I had a mentor. My uh, wife, Pam, her father, uh, Gene Parker, was my mentor. And um, he said, you know what? Anybody who's going to marry my daughter needs to have a good job. So let's talk about education. Yeah. Let's get into education. And he had been in education all his life. He uh, was super, a superintendent at Wilderado. And so he, he was the WT placement director for 20 years. And I worked in his office. And so I had a great experience there. And my senior year at WT, instead of doing um, student teaching in one of the high schools here in town, I went all the way to Spain and wow. did it on a naval base in Rota, Spain, through the Dodds system, Department of Defense Dependence mm-hmm. System. And that was that was a, a really a life-changing experience because, honestly, at age 21, I hadn't been out of the panhandle. Mm-hmm. I had much less never flown commercially. Uh, and so I get on a plane at age 21, and I go all the way to Malaga, Spain, and then I take about a four-hour journey by car, stopping into every little venta along the way for coffee. And um, that, that just that just set me on my path because then I, I will admit, I understand what people coming into our country feel because you're suddenly, you feel out of place. You right, feel like right. you don't belong. But you have to realize that, that, that uh, and, and I've realized in my educational journey where I've been at at, at Forest Hill Elementary and Travis and, and even at ACAL and Amtech, you have to understand you have people who aren't from even this country yeah. that, that are there, and you have to make them feel welcome and just as important as any other student you may have in that school. And I think that's been a big factor in where I've been as an educator. Why, why did you make that decision, like as a 21-year-old? That's that's not a safe <laughs> it's decision. Not, it like you could have been a student teacher, yeah. probably a Canyon Junior High or someplace, you know, but yeah. 
Why, why decide to do something that's a little more adventurous like that? Well, you know, honestly, if you think about it, I'm, I was first generation. I, my, none, no one in my family had ever even gone to college, much less graduated from mm-hmm. college. And so I really had never traveled, but I had read about places in books all my life, you know. And so I wanted to travel. I wanted to see what it was like. And I had no clue what I was getting into. <laughs> the, the books didn't adequately no, prepare you for No, that. absolutely no way. And for, for one thing, in my senior English class there, there was a national merit finalist. And I'm like, this kid is a genius. Yeah. And But he was very gracious with me as a young person. He was able to help me through what I was doing. But no, it was, it was a wonderful experience because I taught on the base, but I lived on the economy. And literally that first night... It was dark when I got to the apartment. I had no idea where I was exactly in the city. And so I go up to the third floor in these apartments in Spain and and, and I'm open the veranda and, and I'm hearing this wind and I'm thinking, oh, I can't leave the Texas panhandle. Yeah. There's that wind. And so I go out on the balcony. It's not windy. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? And I look down. The Atlantic Ocean is coming underneath the apartment building. Wow. I paid $70 a month. And that's back when the United you know, money was better for a U.S. dollar was was better in Spain, about twice. And so I paid $70 a month when I left. It was high season. It was 700 a month because wow. everyone from the north came down to the south. But that experience taught me so many things, one of which is you've got what it takes in you to do things that you don't think you could do um, before you go through that. And I've, I've learned that you know, you take on challenges that are bigger than yourself. Otherwise, you do kind of remain where you are. Yeah. You never grow. You never you never uh, learn. And so all my life, I've been about learning. I've been about growing. And I've been about taking on something larger than myself. And, and I brought a book today just to kind of refer to it if we get to it. It's called Chase the Lion. And it, it literally was a book that I was reading and I was about halfway through when Mr. Loomis called and said, we've got this project we want you to be involved with. And I realized that was my 400-pound lion wow, was okay. Amtech. So it's just one of those things that I think I've been, you know, God has blessed me to have that spirit of adventure enough to basically, maybe it's just I, I'm dumb enough to take on challenges yeah. that, that I really shouldn't be taking on, but then I grow into it. Based on those early experiences, did you plan for a career in the classroom or were you thinking on the administrative side? I loved the classroom. And I will tell you, I went to Pampa uh, to coach tennis and teach English. That was where I I, um, loved. I loved teaching um, language arts in Pampa. It was such a great experience. And then coaching at the same time, you get to see kids at a different level. Mm -hmm. But that experience was invaluable to me because it was way before all the high stakes testing that we had. And I was able to do more of what I consider um, helping students shape their lives through the study of literature, where we would talk about an experience that a character in a novel was having and allow the students to have that same breadth of understanding that somebody else is feeling just like me. Um, and so I think in education today, we're so focused on testing, you don't get a lot of time to do that sort of thing. Yeah, the real it's, subjective kind of stuff. Yes. You know? In fact, I wasn't bound by much as far as time limit. And so I spent 12 weeks on tests of the D'Urbervilles because I studied, I, we had 300 vocabulary words out of that. 
alone. We studied character. We got in depth. The kids did a lot of fun things with their hands-on uh, activities that I had them do to make that book come alive. And, you know, it, it never really thought about being an administrator until my wife was uh, going to Denton to become a librarian. That's the closest place we could go was to go to North Texas. And so my father-in-law said, you know, because I was thinking, I'm going to get my master's in English. I can see myself at an Ivy League college someday, you know, with the patches on your coat pot, your coats, uh, sleeves and, and being in an Ivy League somewhere. And he said, you know what, you can always teach English. Why don't you venture out and maybe do something in administration? So I did. And I literally had just 12 hours of college when I started just applying for whatever reason. I just wanted to apply. And and I, my first job that I applied for was an Amarillo ISD. I had a big interview there. They sent me to Tascosa and said, all right, let's talk about that. And with 12 hours of college and in, two interviews under my belt, I got a job. I didn't really want to leave Pampa, didn't want to leave the classroom, didn't want to leave the tennis program that I was building. Um, and but, you know, when that door opens, when God says, you know, it's kind of, it was like, kind of like shoving me through that door, I couldn't look back. I had to go forward. And so that that's when I went to Tascosa in 91. I was there for two years. And we should say, you may you, not remember I me. I do remember. I was a student there during that period. You graduated were, you were in 92. Jason, you were never. Always in the principal's office. You were never in the principal's office. Always in office. trouble. Now, Brooks, on the other okay. hand, maybe Brooks, I don't know. But no, I do remember that. And we went to church together. And your dad and I actually taught Sunday school together yeah, for a time. Yeah. So um, we've known each other, kind of our paths have intersected. And I followed your career all these years and I'm very proud of what you well, have done in your life. And I want to ask you a question. How was it like being at Amtech, being a visiting professional last week? The thing I keep telling people about Amtech is that you can hear about it all you want. You have to go there and experience it. Yeah. And, and not just seeing the facility, but seeing the students there and hearing the excitement of the teachers. Like, that's the one thing that has stuck <laughs> with me is, you know, teachers have hard jobs. Yeah. And I know a lot of teachers, and they are very passionate about, about what they do. Yes. It's a calling, but it's hard. Mm -hmm. And and I've I've sat and listened to a lot of the anxieties and the concerns mm -hmm. and the complaints that teachers have about their job. Mm -hmm. And all I heard at Amtech was excitement <laughs> that the teachers who were there like wanted to be there and yes. asked to be there. And and that's the thing that that I took away is that when you get the educators as excited as they are. <laughs> That's what the difference is. You know, you can have a nice building, yeah. but terrible teachers, and it's not going to do much. But when you combine all that stuff with teachers who are yes. into it, like that's that's the magic. I, I have said that just this morning. Someone was saying something about the, the school itself, and I said, you know, ultimately the school is great, but it's just it's just a facility. It's what we do inside there with the teachers and the young professionals that really is exciting. And I will tell you, my teachers... I wrote a vision script a summer and a half. Well, last summer I kind of fleshed it, finished it. But the vision script was for a reflection from May 5th, actually today, 2025. Okay. So I'm, this is like three years three now years into the future. Now. So it's a look, it's a retrospective look back at what we will have accomplished in that facility over the, over the course of four years at that time. And I thought, you know, I, I would have to maybe be pulling some things and, you know, leading that way and just like, hey, hey, uh-uh. 
It is, I'm chasing the teachers because they are way out in front of me. And I'm like, hey, wait for me on a lot of their ideas, a lot of their things that they've thought of, the, the partnerships, the, the collaborations that they've done together um, are just amazing. And so as a, an administrator, I want to say this has been the best experience I've ever had in my life, not just putting together this fantastic facility, but working with the educators who are so passionate mm-hmm. about their work. So I, I want to give us plenty of time to yes, talk sir. about Amtech. Um, yep. and, and so I'm going to fast forward through your career. Okay. I know you ended up uh, at the administrative level yes. as an assistant principal. As a yes. principal, you worked in elementary schools, mm-hmm. middle schools, high yes. schools, and then you've been at ACAL for several years. 13 years 13 there years. and okay. one year now at Amtech. So give give us the, the Amtech origin story. I think there are a lot of people who know about the final product, yeah. maybe knew a little bit about it as it was being built, but mm-hmm. like start when Doug Loomis, you know, and, and that idea began to develop and, and yeah. kind of walk us through what happened. So it actually preceded that a bit because in 2017, December of that year, we purchased, the ASD purchased the facility and uh, Hastings and Sears building, mm-hmm. and we purchased it at a great great price. It after was, Hastings had they, shut down. Yeah, and they had shut down. All of that had happened. It. Yeah. And it was kind of, um, it was kind of, I don't want to say wasteland there, but there was nothing going no. on in that area. The, there was arts at sunset. Uh, they went through their experience that they've had. And, and anyway, so we bought that at, at like $15 a square foot, a little over that. It was incredible price. And, and we didn't really have a vision exactly what we wanted to do for that in the district. Dr. West at the time called me and said, you know, that STEM stuff you've been talking about? Well, we just bought Hastings Sears. What do you think? And I'm like, I don't know what to think because I haven't, I haven't thought about it. And so anyway, over the course of the 2018, um, we studied it and we had a plan. We, the district formed a committee. We met with a lot of community members. We, it was at that time during that 18 to 19 period where we realized we didn't need a quote unquote STEM facility. We needed something larger than that. We listened to so many people talk about the skilled labor shortage that we have Mm -hmm. in Amarillo, where we hadn't taught HVAC plumbing electrical in a long time. Uh, We needed to bring that to the forefront of what we do there. And so that shaped exactly what Amtech became. Uh, Amtech is a place where students go to college, yes. Students go to trades and, and apprenticeships, yes, after high school. But more, it's where students have a choice. And so anyway, um, going back to where Mr. Loomis called me, kind of the board liked what we were doing, but they said, go research it some more, go do some more. And that was in August of 2018. Honestly, it had kind of, um, kind of just sat there. Nobody really moved forward on it for uh, a year. And in 2019, October 4th, Doug Loomis called and said, meet me for coffee, um, palace. I want to, I want to talk to you. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, Either I'm getting fired or this is going to be something cool. Yeah. And it was something cool. Um, it was at that point we he kind of laid out the mission, the vision for what we were going to do. The board uh, was behind him and his vision for what we were going to do with that facility. And we were going to revive what we had been calling the Career Academy um, and get it almost literally like a phoenix out of the ashes of what it was becoming it was nothing. Yeah. Uh, and what we've done now is we've kind of resurrected that entire space and that entire neighborhood. And so then we started. The board went on a trip with us to um, DFW. We saw several schools. Many of us had looked across the nation and even internationally online at all these kinds of schools. Read books. 
Blueprint for the Future was one book that I read that talked about we can't continue to have kids uh, living in cells and bells. So we've eliminated our bells at Amtech, mm-hmm. and we put them not in cells, 25 by 25 space. We've enlarged those spaces. We've made them where we can move them around and make them big for our students. Um, so that was kind of the genesis of it. And then we spent two years, literally every Thursday, Karen Pierce, the CTE director for AISD, Doug Loomis, David Bishop has been involved in this, Corgan Architects, Steve Scott, our construction manager, um, my gosh, Patty Buckinaw, um, um, Southwest General Contractors. Um, We just all met together in this room every Thursday for about two hours, literally for two years. And, And that's kind of where we ended up doing what we're doing. We moved into a building. Literally, I know what it's like to fly a plane while you're building it because we moved into Amtech while construction was still going on. We entered the east side with the west side construction still going on, but I'll guarantee you a lot of work was still being done on mm-hmm. that east side. And so we had to make sure kids were safe, that everybody was badged, you know, who was working, that we knew who was in our building. So that was a little challenge, but we did that. Then we opened up the second half this past January and when I look back on it, it, it's been some of the m- most amazing group of people that I've ever had the privilege uh, to work with. It's just been an amazing experience. And, and then the grand opening, you mm-hmm. know, that we had the ribbon cutting was amazing. I, I probably conservatively guess there was 2,500 people there. And I looked up as I was getting ready to cut the ribbon and, and it just hit me. Look at all these people who have been traveling this road with us for the past two years. There were city council. There were the business partners that we've had. There were educators. There were my my peers at the high schools. All four high school campuses were there. Um, It was just an amazing experience to see all these people. Later on that night, uh, in all the rush of people who were in the building, it just hit me. That's probably what heaven's going to be like. Hmm. When you look up and you see all the people whom you've met along your life's journey who meant something to you, who mattered, you're going to look up and you're going to find them there and see what life has been like for them. I want to talk about that community partnership aspect of it because that's one of the things that I think is really unique. Yes, it's it's a high school. You know, it's a place for students. But you have so many partnerships with the existing businesses Mm -hmm. in Amarillo that are investing in the education of these kids. And it's it's banks and credit unions and it's, you know, Bell Helicopter and all that kind of stuff. I I wonder if you can talk about like why that matters, why that is so important in terms of creating a skilled workforce that's going to stay here in Amarillo. You know, um, I've learned over the course of my years in education when I first um, taught shut your door, and you taught in your classroom. You were it in the classroom. You didn't think about the outside world. How shallow we were to think that in education. Years later, you you go to now, and what I've learned is you can't not have the community involved with what you're doing, especially in a career academy like ours. You have to invite those people who are in the field doing that work. They're the ones who need that next level of workforce to come out. We are a recruiting ground right now. We have in our space a success center where people get interviewed. Our students, our young professionals are getting interviewed. I spoke with a um, a senior plumbing student the other day, and I said, so I heard you got offered a job. And he said, well, actually, Mr. Barrett, I got offered three jobs, and I'm considering which one I'm going to take. 
And that is just one example of the many different things that that's are going on there. That's just after a year. That's, that's not even yeah. open a year, right? Yeah, exactly. We have a sophomore who's been offered a job in plumbing. He went to a professional development for um, plumbers with his teacher, and they said, hey, you come work for us. You'll be in our assistant for a while, and we'll get you involved in this. And so we've got sophomores in high school even getting offered opportunities to network with people in our community. Our business partners, we have we have advisory boards there for everything we do. We have nine schools. Every one of them has its own unique advisory board of people in industry who inform us about their needs. What do you need? How do you need us to teach our young professionals so that they're going to be more ready for uh, entering your workforce. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're working right now with Pantex on something that I think will be just a, an entire game changer, uh, where we have kids who are going down pathways of auto tech and, and they're going into welding or, or maybe they want to be in machining or whatever it is. But then what if we could get them aligned with Pantex in a parallel fashion? Maybe they're not going to go to work in the automotive industry. That's not their passion, but they're good with their hands. Why can't they become something like a production tech out there? And with background checks and doing all the right things mm-hmm. and getting our students to understand what it takes to be successful in life, you don't do drugs, you don't get credit card debt, you don't um, post things on the internet, you, you keep your nose clean, basically. You can become something that you never dreamed you could become. And that is, I mean, literally, they start out there at $38 an hour with their production yeah. checks. I figured, I did the math on that. That's over $70,000 when you consider Half all of my of, listeners would all, be happy with that. I mean, you know? seriously, all of, the, all of the benefits that they get and then just the joy of knowing they're doing something with their hands they're, and they're also working to help defend our nation. What about our cybersecurity um, experts who can come out of Amtech with a cybersecurity certificate and make $60,000 as an 18-year-old high school student while they're going to college? They don't have to leave Amarillo. We don't want our kids to leave Amarillo for one thing. We want no brain drain. We're training our students to go into the workforce, into apprenticeship programs, to Amarillo College, maybe then on to WT, maybe just straight on to WT, maybe wherever they want to do. We're teaching them how to make good choices. In our logo itself, it's a compass. There's a compass on it. There's a key on it. There is a, a certificate on it. It's a scroll. And then there is the, the, the flame. And so in those, you can see what the the compass is, directionality, where are you going in your life? How can we help you get there? The key is the key to education. The key is education to unlock doors you don't even know are out there. That's what I tell my students. And then obviously the scroll is a graduation, but it's more than that at Amtech. It's certification. Right now we're certifying. We started certification process about two weeks ago. We're getting, we're pushing not over 90% of our students are getting certified in everything that we're doing out there. And so that's, our goal was 85%. We're actually hopefully going to exceed that after a couple of weeks more. We'll be done. But then that last, and that's also a lifelong learning. But then that last piece is the flame. And one of the things that it represents is passion. I gave my seniors a challenge coin this year. And in in that challenge, I said, the missing piece on this other side, because I have everything there but that flame, the missing piece is passion. I can't give that to you. Your teachers can't give that to you. That passion has got to come from within. But that passion is probably the most important thing you'll take with you from Amtech is that knowledge that you are passionate about something enough to risk all to achieve much. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about just the breadth of what students have the opportunity to pursue there. Because, you know, people will think about it and they'll think, okay, it's it's a technical sort of institute or a vocational <laughs> oh thing. Gosh. You can do the, yeah. 
you know, the, the auto body shop, yeah. or you can learn machining mm -hmm. and, and things like that, which you can. Yeah. And that part is super impressive. Oh, yeah. But you've also got like a legal pathway, yes. you know, for future lawyers or architects yes. or people who want to get into the media or the restaurant business. I mean, like there is so much. And I wonder, without you know, giving a comprehensive list, I mean, just describe <laughs> like some of the stuff that, that kids can do. I think you just did. All right. Did I cover it all? <laughs> No, it's basically when I'm looking, when I give tours and, and right now I'm thinking of it in my mind, it begins with that culinary experience. But really the first step into the south front entrance, because we're so big, we have two front entrances. But on the south front entrance, you walk into what is called the aspiration atrium. And that is filled with all the hopes and dreams and aspirations of our students forever. But then you look at culinary. Oh my gosh. You are going to have a cordon bleu experience right here in Amarillo, Texas. I have heard professional chefs salivating <laughs> over just the opportunity to use that stuff. Absolutely. You know? Well, Dr. Emily Williams Knight, um, who is the um, CEO and president of the Texas Restaurant Association, I think she knows a thing or two about mm -hmm. restaurants. Uh, before I met her one night, we were hosting um, her in, in the Texas Panhandle Restaurant Association meeting there at Amtec and. October 19th, I remember that well. Before I met her, she was talking to Ginger Nelson, and I walked up and I heard her saying, I have been all over the world. I've never seen anything like this. Mm. So that's just culinary arts. And I'm telling you, it's massively impressive there. Then you can move on into our eSports arena. We have an eSports yeah. arena, which kids actually can go to college on those scholarships, but that's really an ancillary part of not just IT, but a lot of kids enjoy that sport. And so we do that. But really, it's our IT teachers and a graphic design teacher who are coaches. We have IT where they can do everything from repairing computers, networking computers, and cybersecurity. We'll actually do that there. You'll hear us talking a lot about student-led enterprises, which is, for instance, when you bring your vehicle in to our automotive department to be repaired. Maybe you need a brake job. You will never once see a teacher. You'll only see a student. Um, our young professionals will bring you in. They'll write you up your mm -hmm. ticket. They'll figure, you know, they'll talk to you about, you know, when your vehicle may be ready, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but you'll never see a teacher. On the back end of that, I want to assure everyone, the teachers have inspected that for there's quality an, assurance. There's, an there. there's not going to be any, you know, like I've been saying that, uh, you know, when you go in for to a training school and get a you know, haircut, you may pay $2 and you may come out with a $2 haircut. We can't afford $2 haircuts when we're talking about your car safety and yeah. your safety in a car. Whether your brakes work. Yeah, 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 exactly. But then we have, you know, the legal pathway, like you mentioned, they can become everything from a lawyer to a corrections officer. Um, they can go into law enforcement. They can be a 911 dispatcher right out of high school, um, and oh my goodness, auto um, animal science, we're working with WT Animal Science and then Texas Tech School of Veterinary Medicine to shape our pathways. Not every kid's going to be a vet. We know that. So we're getting into livestock production as well. Hmm. We'll have some city kids working in a feedlot one day. I guarantee you that because this area, this entire region of Amarillo and beyond is really the food capital and beef production in the world. You know, that kind of thing. So we need we need people who work in that. Medical, that's our largest group. You can do everything there. You get EMT certified, EKG, registered dental assisting, farm tech, get into certified medical assisting, patient care technician. Um, our farm tech program, brand new. We had three, three seniors who said, yeah, I want to try that. No background in it whatsoever. All three of them have been hired 
And so they, they all got certified, uh, basically. And they all three have jobs, two at Northwest and one at Walgreens at Bell and Hillside, and 17 more in, in the running for next year as seniors. And then 34 will fill that, and it's just going to grow exponentially. Graphic Design has created its own media department called Amtech Creative Collective, where they are doing graphic work, animation, and videography. Um, my goodness, there's so much going on there. Drone technology. Uh, we have students getting into the, the robotics mm-hmm. arena. Electrical. Electricians have, the union has said that our students, if they go through and they get electrical one, two, and three and come out and graduate, they will already allow them to skip the first first year of apprenticeship right out of high school. Wow. So uh, that's impressive. And I know that the others are going to come along w- as well. Um, you know, when you have welding program that you've had to cap and move kids from welding in, say, what about trying machining? You know you're doing something. You know you've, you've latched on to something that is really um, kids are, are thinking, I could become a welder. I could make X number of dollars. I could actually travel the country or I could stay right here in and, and That's a job that's in high demand right now. Exactly. And, and so we have over 100 students right now, and we, we're going to have to add teachers. Um, and so we're going to figure out a pathway where we can do that and double the production because literally Pantech said that for all the qualified students, we could hire every one of your students right now today. That's how much the workforce need is out there. And but that's th- that, that's one of the things that I think about, you know, Amtech and, and how it is right now and, and as it grows over the next few years. And you talk about that exponential mm-hmm. growth. Yes. What happens if every high school student wants to go down that path? You know, because mm-hmm. you you can you got a lot of students who are hoping to be an attorney yep. or they're hoping to get into law enforcement. Sure. They're going through high school, yeah. taking their classes. They may hate English or they may hate math or whatever. Yep. And then they see this opportunity to do something that's going to take them further in yeah. that career path. Yeah. What keeps everybody from gravitating to Amtech? I mean, have, have you all discussed that? Yes. With oh, the administration? absolutely. Absolutely. Right now we have 1,850 students. We graduate. We went through, and, we, and that's how we ended the year. Um, this next year coming up, we have over twenty eight hundred students. Hmm. We grew a thousand. If we keep growing that way, we're going to have to do something drastic. You have to cap it at some. Point, we would right? have to cap it, but here's here's more importantly what we'll do. We'll be moving some of the level one classes that we teach at Amtech the, to the freshmen. Those may move back to the the base campuses, the main campuses that they come from. Then we'll have more room to expand there at Amtech. And so that's going to be a, a product of what happens naturally. Why do we have to go from eight to four? Why can't we start earlier and finish much later? Why can't we have a group of students who say, I want to go ahead and and I've got work during the day. Why can't I come back at night, kind of in a flex program that they do at PD, and go from five to eight? You know, we're going to have that kind of conversation eventually. Um, but we, you know, and honestly, we're going to have students that haven't made up their mind yet. Right. So they're not going to come through there. But I, I conservatively estimate that about 75% of students in AISD, about over 8,000 students in high school, will somehow or another be affected by Amtech Career Academy. I, I want to ask you this question yes, sir. just because I'm curious about it. You know, it's a discussion that I've had as a parent. Uh, you know, my son graduated last year from mm-hmm. high school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we're in a time when you get into high school and, you know, they want you to kind of figure out what path you're going to take, mm-hmm. what you might want to do, how are you going to direct your classes, you know, making decisions at 15 or 16, what maybe you want to be, mm-hmm. you know, as, as an adult. And obviously that's happening at Amtech. Uh-huh. You know, you can choose 
you know, whichever path you want, sure. a, a lot of the value of education is in the discovery part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're in high school, whether you're in college, you end up not knowing what you're going to do with your life once you get out of college. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder how you think about that with the opportunities at Amtech uh, for students to pursue a career yes. at an age where who knows if that career is going to be your exactly. lifelong path. Um, it's, Talk to me about the value of it. Talk to me about, you know, maybe some of the hesitations you have about that. Because you've you've been in the same place. Yep. It takes a while to figure out what you're good at and what you want to do. Sure. Well, not only you were saying what what will be their lifelong path, what if that job doesn't even exist when they graduate? What if technology is, you know, artificial intelligence or robotics or whatever has has taken over that job and it mm-hmm. created another new field? So we want to teach our students to be adaptable to the changing in world that they're in. Our future will, you know, greater than any time in the history of man, there's not going to be such a, a breadth of space between one major technological achievement and the next we're going to be about four years between those. And so we got to prepare kids for that. But what we I'm thinking that we need to start in elementary school, not just with the students, but with the parents. Because I think we've left the parents out of the conversation a lot by just saying, oh, we'll get them into college, 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 college. And so that's what a parent thinks is, I went to college, my kid's going to go to college, um, so therefore that's going to happen. What if um, what if I say something that sounds like heresy, but that you could actually make more money uh, by some of the careers that we're sending students into where they don't go to college than if you went and got your four-year baccalaureate? Yeah. What would you think about that? Parents are going to be, what? You on, honestly can do that. And plus, only about 35% of the uh, careers out there require baccalaureate degree. So why not let's get kids certified? Let's get them to Amarillo College and and let them get an associate's degree with certifications. Then if they want to go on and it's part of their journey, go on to WT and stay right here in the panhandle. So talking to you as a parent, I would say let's open up the whole catalog of opportunity for your kids and say, make a choice. It's not our choice. It's not four by four anymore. It's not you have to take this math your freshman yeah. year, that math. You know, what do you want to do? And then leave it up to us to help you figure out your path. I tell people, and I told my students, we had a shareholders meeting with all my students that were um, this January. Once I got them all from four different campuses into one, we had a shareholder meeting. And I told them, I said, you have one 1850th of a share in what we do around here. But it goes deeper than that. It's We have 1,850 different unique pathways that our students are going to go down. And we do our best to try to serve them that way. I'd like to close this section by asking you to think about the impact of Amtech on the city, um, <laughs> that, which is a big question. Yeah. But I know that's a driving idea behind yeah you know, starting it, launching it, creating this thing is we're trying to solve a problem or we're trying to uh, lay the groundwork for for something that's going to be important in our Mm -hmm. future. How, you know, how do you think this new facility and this new concept is going to impact this area? You know, I I looked up one day and I thought of this place, MTech, as an epicenter of some kind of change that's going on in our community. I think we're realizing the dearth of workforce that we have. Demographers will say that we're going to continue to grow, but what if there are no what if there are no workers out there for the jobs that are going to be coming? 
We've got to get our kids on a pathway somewhere. This uh, business of when a kid graduates and it's a great day, but then they turn around and it's the worst of days too because they have no idea where they're going. They don't know what the next step is. Those days have got to be gone. We've got to, we've got to at least help our students find where that next step is beyond high school. I say that MTech is going to be not just um, an ASD thing or city of Amarillo thing. It's going to be a re- it's going to have regional impact. It may have national impact. I don't know. We've had visits from uh, companies from New York, from Florida. Our students have met with people from San Francisco, mm-hmm. Alberta, Canada. New York City, Manhattan, downtown. We were in a Zoom meeting where our, our videographers were, were um, being looked at. Um, and, and basically... Yeah, I've heard enough big city they, people <laughs> see Amtech and be like, oh, they don't have this where I'm from. And that's, they don't. that's impressive. You know? They don't. We have a bumper sticker, actually, that says, I wish they had this when I was a kid because we hear that all over and over. But the big cities, um, they're saying, okay, we've seen this in Frisco. We've seen, a, we've seen uh, the Kate School in Frisco. It's similar, but there's something different about what you're doing in that space. Kind of what you mentioned earlier. It's what our teachers are doing with our young professionals. It's the excitement that they've engendered in in doing what they love doing. So I tell my teachers to do two things. I only require two things. Number one, love kids. If you don't love kids, you don't belong in this profession. Mm -hmm. Number two, passionately pursue excellence. And they do. And that trickles down to our students who are then excited and engaged in the passion that the educators have. It's just an amazing thing to see. And so we're starting at one point. We're graduating students this year through their home campuses, Mm -hmm. but we have a little under 400 seniors who will be leaving us. Those seniors will be more well-prepared than ever before um, at at ACAL because, and I don't want to say that disparagingly, it's just that we've really, really pushed that avenue of career and success, that intersection where we meet. It's that we're not just wanting you to be successful here. It's that success beyond high school. We're staying connected with our students. The survey um, that went out at the end of the school is going to track our students. It's Mm -hmm. going to continue to say, hey, where are you now? What are you doing? Did you land where you thought you would land? If you didn't land there, why not? Did you get a better deal or whatever? You need to come back to M- to Amtech and look at our career center and let us help you find someplace else to be. We're going to help you do that. We can't, you know, maybe get you connected to Amarillo College because Amarillo College is going to have a footprint there at Amtech. That and WT is going to have an impact there. Right now, we have what we call an AC transition coordinator who is in our success center, works with seniors on their plans. Where are you going? What are you going to do? If it's AC, great. If not, here, let me help you with this other thing. We can't just teach kids and say, well, good luck to you. Hope hope it goes well for you. We've got to really think beyond high school. This episode of Hey Amarillo is supported by the Texas Outdoor Musical. We are just a couple of weeks away from the Texas Panhandle summer, and I need you to know this. No summer in Amarillo is complete if you have not attended Texas at Paladero Canyon. It's got everything. Music, dancing, pioneers, fireworks, horses, an outdoor amphitheater, romance, Tucker Yeldale, uh, the canyon walls lit up at sunset. I really do love the show. The season is about to get underway, and I haven't been as excited about a past season as I am about this one. It's got new leadership new cast and a brand new vision for this classic story. Now don't forget you can also reserve dinner at the amphitheater before the show. 
So get your dinner and performance tickets now at texasshow.com. That's texas-show.com, where you can choose your seats online, starting at a little more than $20 per show ticket. That's texas-show.com. Okay, I'm back with Jay Barrett. Jay, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum in Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas. And its collection includes the fossilized skull of a phytosaur, which was a crocodile-like predator that could reach a length of up to 25 feet. And it was discovered here in the Panhandle, Potter County. Glad he's still not around. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, You can learn more about that at panhandleplains.org. Okay, first question. What is one thing the pandemic has revealed to you about local people? Knowing that you've been on the front lines as an educator, dealing with all that stuff. Um, you know, what, what have you discovered over the past couple of years? Looking collectively at our community, I want to say the word that comes to mind is resilience. We met a challenge head on. We didn't back down from it. We didn't say, oh, let's just hide out for two years. We really found a way to continue doing what we're doing. I know that not only as an educator, as you mentioned, because we found a different way to educate. We asked so much of our teachers to learn Canvas, mm-hmm. learning management system, with on a turn of a dime, we said, this is what we have to do. And you know what? They didn't say, oh, that's terrible. They said, all right, let's do it. Let's get this thing done. So that's one lens that I have. Um, but also as a citizen of Amarillo, you know, we found a different way to go eat out. You know, if suddenly food trucks started appearing yep. and, and different places that, that we knew now started, started serving takeout and different things like that where you just drive through there. I think resilience is the one word that comes to mind, and it gets back to that panhandle spirit um, that that we have have born and bred in us. Whether we were here at the beginning or our blood goes back to the roots of Amarillo back in the late 1800s, or whether we've moved here, there's just something contagious more than the pandemic, more than, than coronavirus. It's that panhandle spirit that infects us all. Okay, other than wind... What does this area have too much of? You know, I was going to come back with some witty retort, and then I got to thinking, this is a great time to talk about we have too much poverty, hmm. too much homelessness, especially with our young people. There are too many kids living on someone else's couch. There are too many kids living out of cars. We've got to find a way to address that, and I know we have great people in the Amarillo doing that, but we that may be something we want to focus on more is we have too much poverty in this community is one of the things that that I've always thought would be you know so instrumental for a, a kid's life in high school is you know some sort of basic financial management and and trying to figure out like how yeah. how do I take a paycheck and how do I make it work in a life how do I budget and things like that um, is is there an aspect at, at Amtech you know that that covers just some of those really mm. practical things yeah. that a lot of kids might graduate without, a lot of adults, you know, don't have that sort of basic education. That's actually in in all of Amarillo ISD through dollars and cents. They go through that practical application of how you use money on a daily basis. I think that at Amtech, in our business marketing and finance school, that that is really kind of um, super hyped, is how you budget, how you plan for the future, how you invest your money wisely. But actually, it backs up into another conversation we could have sometime about junior achievement, because Mm -hmm. in junior achievement, there will be an aspect of that where we do financial planning. We're going to have biz town, which is kind of creation of a small little town, but then also finance park. It's in that finance park, which will be for uh, for middle schoolers, that they have to learn how to how to 
how, how much money they get. They have to plan a budget. They have to live off that m- budget while when they get to Amtech. It's going to be an amazing experience to see how our kids do with that. It'll open their eyes to the need for learning all of that at an early age. Yeah, I, I think about a kid who might come out of Amtech, you know, with a lot of skill, a lot of demand, gets a $60,000 job at 18. Yeah. All of a sudden, she's got all yeah. this money, you yes. know, and that's kind of terrifying, you know. We talked about that when we were meeting with Pantex. I said, you're making kids, you're going to have kids coming out of here with $70,000. First of all, we've got to teach them how what that money means and mm-hmm. what they could do with that, how they can benefit themselves and and as importantly others with that in, in our community. How can they benefit others with that? You know, and their opportunities that have come from MRL ISD through Amtech. Good. I'm glad those conversations are happening. They are happening. We're what, worried about it. Yeah, good, good. As a parent, I am too, you know. <laughs> yeah. What does this area not have enough of? Workforce. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely true. We do not have enough workforce. Um, Which, when, if you're going to have a problem, I guess yeah, that's a that's good a problem good one. to have. But it does yeah. provide a limit, like yeah. on economic growth. You know, and it was ironic. I'm on the Panhandle Workforce Development Board, and I thought, wow, we've got like you know 3.2 unemployment. Not so good, actually, because that means the pool from which you have to choose is limited. You don't have enough people in that community to do the work that you need them to do. The skilled labor. Unskilled labor is a different thing, but when you have skilled labor, they've been trained to be a machinist. And a machinist is really a computer scientist who gets to have some fun building out some hmm. things they've designed. But um, I think workforce. Okay, I, I agree. Yeah. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside this area? It's very difficult to get them to understand us as more than a cow town. Even when I was in Spain, no matter where I've been, it's always been, oh, Texas, bang, bang, shoot them. You know, they think we all carry guns and have horses and all that kind of stuff. Although some people do. Well, the guns maybe. <laughs> maybe right. the guns. Not everybody has a horse. <laughs> Not everybody has a horse. But it's, it's, I would describe us as an extremely friendly place, uh, a place where we take care of our own, where we're not going to let someone suffer. We're going to come al- alongside them and help them out. It's a place with wide open spaces, wide open hearts, um, a sunset that is almost you could see heaven in that, and then the sun rises well. It's just a, a great community to live in. I've traveled you know, to Greece and to Spain and, and over to Hawaii, as we were talking about earlier. I've, I've been a lot of different places in the United States, but I always want to get back home. Okay. <laughs> your, uh, your career has taken you all over the city as mm-hmm. uh, an administrator. How did, what's your favorite neighborhood in Amarillo? Well, I'm just going to go to a personal choice of mine, and that's 6th Street. Okay. I'm an antiquer. I okay. love old things, whether it's because I just looked up one day and everything that I've kept all my life has become an antique. Yeah. Or whether I just kind of like old things. I've got a, in, in my office, I've got a 1915 Victrola that you have to wind up. Wow. It is the coolest thing in the world. People look at that. And I say to them, I say, it's it reminds me of our past here in Amarillo, what we've come from. That 1915 thing could not have been afforded by every home in this town because it, it cost too much at that time. And I, I want to remember our history, where we've come from, the things that we've got, grown through. Even at, at Hastings and Sears, that's got a, a great history. And so I want to remember the history. I want to live in the present by always looking to the future. And so I think 6th Street is just so cool. It's a, it's a neat place. You can just hang out. You can go to antique shops. You can go grab something to eat. It's just a cool place. Well, and it kind of covers that past, present, and future mindset, too, yes. with a lot of the development happening, the San Jacinto yes. neighborhood plan, like all that stuff. Is I want to be involved in Square Mile. 
Yeah. And I want to be involved in that. And that's, I'm going to say something else because I know what questions come right. up. I'm going to talk about that. We'll get to them in a second then. Okay. What's your favorite local restaurant? El Tejavon. Okay. Very easy. I love El Tejavon. I've been eating there uh, since it was just on Grand and I 40. And um, now, 0.5 miles from Amtec to the one I eat at. So I try not to go there all the time. Otherwise, yeah. I'll have to work out even more. Okay. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a choice that I think a lot of people would agree with. So, <laughs> what's your favorite coffee shop? That is a no-brainer. Amtec has its own coffee shop called Cafe 21 at Amtec. Cafe 21 at Amtec, I jokingly say, is my office. Mm -hmm. It's a place where you've got a La Morzoka machine, and you can get any kind of coffee you want. Our students are trained baristas. That is my favorite the coffee technology shop there is just as good <laughs> as Palace or Roasters. Yes. I mean, the equipment they've got, yes. and then they're learning how to do that. Yes. Is it open to the public? Can the public it, stop it, in? It is. Two days a week. Now, Thursdays and Fridays. This summer, it's not going to be open, but we'll start opening it back up in, in um, August, uh, probably September, as we get a new crop of students in there. We've got to get them trained mm -hmm. first, and then we'll open up. We may open up with uh, not just Thursday and Friday. We may open up more days to the public okay. because the public has a desire to be there. And we're also open to organizations who have their, you know, a, a meeting event planned, and we will allow them to do that and we'll serve them. We'll have great five-star service there. And so we're open to that as well. Is uh, is that the kind of thing that also is a partnership with local businesses? I mean, are, yes. are you working with the coffee shops to say, yeah. hey, we're teaching these kids how to do this? Stuff. Absolutely. We are, you know, actually we, um, Palace stepped up and, and they have a, a thing that we actually purchased from them, which was um, uh, helping set up that entire thing up front, our entire coffee shop. And so they've been very instrumental in helping us, but it doesn't matter what coffee shop here in town, our kids will be filling those jobs even in high school, as a barista, you can go to work ten, twelve, thirteen dollars an hour while you're in high school doing something cool. It's part of what you want to do. We can get them trained up, and uh, and and they can go there from wherever they want to after that. But uh, we got a great coffee shop at Cafe Twenty One. Okay. And when was the last time you visited Cadillac Ranch? Twenty seventeen. My my youngest child graduated. That's where we took some of his senior photos. Okay. But I will say I would go by there on the way to New Mexico a lot. And I don't think you can find a parking spot anymore because no. Pam and I, we joke about it every time we go, I wonder how many people will be there this time or if there'll be any, but oh no, there's always a line yeah. at, at uh, Cadillac Ranch. Okay. <laughs> well, that concludes the eight straight questions. Jay, awesome. I like to close by asking my guests to endorse something. So what's one thing you would like listeners to know about or to experience? I'm, I'm going to have to say, I, I get, I'm going to call a favor and say, can I have more than one? Okay. First of all, AC. I'm a region of Amarillo College, and I just can't not say enough good things. I know people know about Amarillo College, that we were in the top five in the Aspen Awards last year. But this year, we are, you redo everything. We're already in the top 25 without even blinking an eye. Hmm. Because of the work that we have been doing there for the past several years under Russell Lowry Hart's leadership, we are moving forward, and it's catching people's eyes. I don't know where we're going to land this year, but just watch that. I'm on the board at the Maverick, and Donna Sori is doing some great things. I know the Maverick boys. Big award just Big just award. Today. Oh, my gosh. They, a mayor went with them to Chicago to receive this award. Out of uh, 4,600 boys and girls clubs, I think we're number five, or, or within top five. The only five to, that received this award. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And I want to say some people have, you know, it's kind of had its ebbs and flows over the course of history. It's on an up tick right now. And it's doing great work for the young people in our community. I'm working with them too, because 
Those are future Amtechians. Yeah. Uh, we're getting Is them that in, the we're, appropriate Yeah, term, I don't know. I Amtechian? just made it up, maybe. Okay. I don't know. But those those young people can come over to Amtech and get excited about robotics, esports, what we're doing with uh, the cars. They helped us with our car show this year. We donated some funds to them. They had their Entrepreneur's Lemonade stand there, and they just enjoyed that experience. But, you know, it, I think that's one thing. Another thing that, that I want to say is the Refugee Language Project mm-hmm. is I just found out about it this year. I've had one meeting with Brian Pennington, mm-hmm. and I think former he, guest on this podcast. Okay, yes, and he and I, I think, have a lot of things to talk about over this summer. Um, it's on my calendar to get with him again because they're doing a lot of the work. They're t- retelling the stories in print. Uh, we want to do something maybe where our students in our media department can bump that up to the next level hmm. for for that community. And and he's a linguist. Uh, he knows what he's doing, and just the tree that's growing in that in that building that he's got. He's got people from all over the yeah. world. I love that. And being a former person who's been all over the world like that and who has felt as an outsider when I started out my career, I think that is just God telling me, work with the Refugee Language Project and see what happens. Okay. Jay Barrett, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. I so very much appreciate you. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Jay for the interview. You can learn more about Amtech at amtech.amaisd.org. Thanks also to Angelina Marie for editing this episode and to sponsors the Texas Outdoor Musical, the Discover Amarillo app, and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum. If you like this podcast, you know what I'd really like you to do? Go to whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts and give us a five-star rating. Leave a review if you want to. This helps other people find the show, and it helps me feel good about the work of producing this podcast. As usual, Hey Amarillo exists on a weekly basis because of listeners like you, so thank you so much for listening. And to the local people who support it financially, they do so through patreon.com slash heyamarillo. Hey Amarillo's executive producers include Wilson Lemieux, Corey Burns, Wes Reeves, Josh Wood, Patrick Burns, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, Barbara and Jim Witten, and Jess Heredia. This has been episode 248. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.